Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Madhuri Christian, joined again this week by Edward Ned Russell as we discuss Cutter's big order for 777XFs, brand new kind of airplane, Ryanair and its game changers and where it's going to put them, aka Max's, and what's going on at ANA. Thank you for joining. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today, Madhu? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So we got some big news in the aerospace and airline world this week, and that is Boeing is launching a new variant. It's third, I believe, of the 777X. That's right. It's the 777-8F, so that's F for freighter, and Cutter new Airways freighter. launched the new air... <laughs> we all know Madhu is drooling over this. I love freighters. Cutter Airways, la- Cutter Airways launched the new freighter in a ceremony in uh, Washington, D.C., with uh, with Boeing, and uh, they are they signed for up to 50 of them with 34 firms. So it was a, a big launch order, especially compared to the A350 freighter that what launched with eight orders in uh, in November. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, but you know, it's a little bit different because Boeing has long experience with the 777F anyway. This is a, a it's a variant of the 777. So it's not. It, I mean, the 350F was a completely new thing for Airbus. This is kind of an iteration of something that has already existed. I mean, granted, it's a different airframe, but whatever. Um, and it's longer than the eight that I was reading. It's about a meter longer. So it's, it is actually some, some significant change, not just cutting a door in the uh, 777-8. No, absolutely. Calling it a day. It is, it, is a, it is a pretty remarkable aircraft. And um, Boeing hinted that this would happen last week during its earnings call. Um, so they were st- shopping around or soliciting um, interest for the the 777-XF. Um, and that interest happened to be Cutter. So now we know. So the program is launching. And um, it's kind of a remarkable aircraft. I mean, Boeing says that it will rival the 747-8F in terms of cargo volume. Um, so it fills, it fills what is a... Um, what is a vacuum at the upper end of the freighter market with the um, with the you know the end of the dash seven four seven dash eight line? And let's remember that the seven four seven dash eight was a far more successful aircraft as a freighter than it was as a passenger jet. So you know that's uh, that's saying something. It's going to replace it, and also with two engines, it's going to be a, def- a big shift. I mean, the old I remember when the triple seven itself replaced seven forty seven two hundreds in the market essentially. 20 years ago. So it looks like Boeing sort of uh, angling for a replacement of those larger 747s down the road. One thing that the dash the 777XF will not have is that front lo- front cargo uh, access oh, absolutely. through the nose. I imagine there's going to be some 747 freighters flying around for quite some time just because they have that that front loading cargo door, which uh, which unique position, I believe, allows for for special cargo that can't go through a side loading door. Isn't that correct? Madhu? Yeah, actually, that that is correct. And that's why the cockpit is above the um, the main flight deck in the 747 to begin with. It goes back to when Lockheed, um, the U.S. military, the Air Force was was looking for for lift in the whole 747 development saga. And that's why the cockpit was put up there and why there is a nose the nose open. So it's all great. I mean, uh, so however, you know, interestingly enough for on the very large end of the market, we were talking about this briefly last week, there now will be some belugas flying, flying around um, that will, will provide large and awkward size lift for the upper end of the freight market. So there's a lot. These are Airbus belugas. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, Airbus as it's uh, as it develops its XL Beluga XLs will start to rent out Beluga STs under its own operating certificate um, as a freight airline. So there's a lot of interesting things happening in the freight market, and you know, just this in the span of a year, we've got what the 350F, a whole new type, the 777XF, a whole new type, and a uh, the commercial or non-Airbus use of Belugas. Uh, <laughs> So it's it's really I mean people like to say freight is kind of boring blah 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 but it's it's providing a lot of excitement in the aerospace world right now. That's for sure. I mean it's like you said. I mean freight was kind of a sleepy end of the market for years, and I know that we've talked a lot about the supply chain shortages and ocean maritime shipping being backed up and stuff transferring to air, but this feels like. It's just it's it's bigger than just backups. It's yeah, you know, I don't know, it's e-commerce driven or what, but I mean, two new types, a new airline, airlines getting into it. It's this is a shift. This is a big shift. It feels like oh, absolutely, and and you know, I've lost count of the number of airlines that have added freighters during the last year year and change. I mean, Air Canada, WestJet, Sun Sun Country started before Mesa. Um, then the numbers of Sun Country made a very, very uh, fortuitous decision to start uh, just before the pandemic began. So yeah, good on their part, right? And um, you know, Amazon is adding more lift. I mean, there, there's it's just it's been kind of a remarkable change. It's sort of been under the uh, sort of been in the undercurrent of the airline world for a while, and now it's it's really a um, uh, a, a structural change. And I, I I think Ned, to your point, it is a bet on the future. Right. I mean, it's not it's not just I mean, yes, in the short term, it is because uh, airlines are investing in this in freight and aerospace companies are jumping on it because they're, as you mentioned, maritime shipping is snarled all over the world and surface shipping, uh, you know, the transport from ports to the final destination is snarled all over the world. Um, But that that will sort itself out. I mean, the maritime industry is a big 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 industry and a one that's been around literally for thousands of years so they they will Absolutely. figure out and and a fun fact the maritime industry is finding their own workarounds around this i just heard on on npr's planet money that um the port of cleveland is now accepting uh container shipments from from wait cleveland uh, has a port? The, how, yes what, cleveland how, is a port what how does cleveland they go through the st lawrence sea no but this is just like it, speaking of unique the airline industry is getting all these new freighters. The Port of Cleveland is opened up to uh, to container ships through the St. Lawrence Seaway. Like there is a lot of innovation going yeah. on in the movement of freight around, across industries. Uh, you know, of course, airlines are our focus, but it's much broader. The the supply chain challenges are, are you know, like what did it say? A crisis is is you know. Um, the starting point for so much innovation. So, yeah. yeah. So there, there is that, but that will, as we, you know, that the maritime industry will write itself, whether it's through Cleveland or somewhere else. But, but uh, what I think airlines are betting in the future is that, uh, is that this, this retail shift that occurred from, from brick and mortar shopping to more online shopping, um, package delivery, et cetera, is here to stay. And will not go back to what what it was before the pandemic. So they're they're betting that you know those of us who who started buying toilet tissue online will continue to do so. Um, Absolutely, and those of us who might even want to go back to brick and mortar. You know, I myself am down in uh, Georgetown went to try to get some stuff from Kiehl's. If you know, it's a skincare skincare store and. 
they've closed. So I have yeah. to order online. So I mean, speak of that, like all the brick and mortar shops that have closed means uh, potential you know shoppers who wouldn't have have ordered or like myself will now order online. So well, it's uh, there's a lot of, of you know confluence of events there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Walgreens, which is large, I think the second largest or perhaps the largest uh, pharmacy chain in this in the U.S has been closing stores all over the country. The company itself is doing well, but they have been closing stores, particularly in urban areas, because it's just, they say it's a, uh, uh, there is, there is, they're having to deal with increased theft, but the theft was always there. It's just people are shopping more online and it doesn't make it financially uh, worth it to operate a lot, all the stores they used to. So, so we we're the beginning of a very interesting shift in in society and and the way we consume goods and how those goods are transported and airlines are putting a marker down saying we think this is here to stay and air, aerospace companies are doing are following suit and it, and airbus is getting in the game with its uh, beluga so so i think freight is going to continue to be a really dynamic part of the industry now just a, just a two little examples. Korean Air once again posted another profitable quarter. It's bucked the pandemic trend entirely, and that is entirely due to its cargo operations. Uh, ANA um, Japan uh, lost uh, in Japan lost money last year or in the first nine months of its fiscal year, but its cargo operation was the one thing that made it any money. And um, I think it was the, they posted a record quarter in terms of. Uh, of cargo, but we'll get to that in a minute. So it's it's just a very dynamic and and volatile and changing space. I'm really interested to see what happens. What what do you think will be the next shoe to fall, Ned? Do you think there'll be what other freighter variants could we see coming, or or belugas or what have you? What do you think? What look in your crystal ball? Tell me what's going on. Uh, you're our freight guy. It seems like there's <laughs> lots of freighters available now. I mean, the only thing I can guess is a, a three twenty neo or a max freighter. But I feel like those are going to be on the converted freighter end of the line, yeah. and with all of the NGs that are coming, that will be coming out of service over the next decade, I, I think those probably are going to be converted before Maxes or Neos. Um, but, but speaking of the narrow bodies, you know, I, I wanted to highlight before we get off the topic, Cutter also placed, signed an MOU for 50 737 Max 10s while they were in Washington launching the XF, the 777 XF. Oh, and, like uh, sands it, through the hourglass. These are the the days of our airlines, right? To, these uh, are the days. But it, it's it's very deja vu because I don't know if you remember six years ago, Qatar Airways signed an MOU for 60 737 MAX 8s, also in Washington, D.C. in 2016, uh, a deal that was canceled when Air Italy collapsed in 2020. So it's uh, it's it's funny how these things come around. But there's a little soap opera element to this deal, and that is Cutter needed the narrow body lift because Airbus canceled Cutter's order for 320s, 321s, right? 321 Neos. 321 yes. Neos yes, because did. of this escalating spat between Airbus and Cutter over paint peeling on the A350 fleet, which Cutter says is a safety of flight issue, and Airbus says is not, and now is being waged in the court. There's to the tune of like $619 million. Uh, it's up to $700 million, 700 because, million uh, Cutter's asking per day, per day per aircraft for additional uh, money. So, right. yeah. Which Airbus says is nonsense. And as us, uh, we are reporters, so we have been on the receiving end of uh, of. Uh, uh, new, uh, little, you know, of comms from both sides saying this is nonsense, that's nonsense, and uh, so that's playing out. So Cutter, Cutter got spurned by Airbus and turned to Boeing, which is good news for Boeing, obviously. And Boeing needs some good news, as we discussed last week. 
Absolutely. And we know that Airbus's backlog is what, what is it, 11 years out for the 320 Neo, 10 years out? Yeah, like at current that. production. So, so they're not hurting for orders, no. and what, 50 back into their delivery stream actually will probably be snapped up by buyers in, in no time. So oh my God, sure especially Airbus with those delivery that. positions, they, they're absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're perfectly fine. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it's just, it's funny to watch this uh, back and forth over everything. But, yep, it's just a little bit of a soap opera here in in, uh, in, in airline land. As sa- sand in the hourglass. <laughs> and with that, with that soap opera reference, we will take a break. And we're back. Hey, Ned, how are you? I'm still good here, Maju, enjoying the nice, beautiful uh, Georgetown skyline, departures from DCA over the river. Can't complain. So so moving on from, from Cutter, Boeing, Airbus, package deliveries, freight, let's talk about Ryanair, which you covered this week. That's right. So Ryanair presented their, it's their third quarter. So the December quarter is their third quarter results on, on Monday. And, you know, Michael O'Leary, uh, their brash and outspoken CEO, was um, surprisingly, uh, I want to say, you know, spooked by the Omicron variant, huh. which uh, he said hit them pretty hard in December uh, and January and into February. You know, Ryanair was on track to carry, they estimated 11 million passengers in December, and they ended up carrying uh, 9.5 million which is still a significant number, but considering that they're, it's, it was down from their forecast, and it was down from November as well. And on top of that, they've cut January capacity by a third, wow. which I think is one of the larger capacity cuts, just Omicron-related, that we've seen. I mean, other airlines have cut in January because of you know, Omicron and pilots and everything, but a third is, is big for European, Europe's largest discounter. Well, and it's not like O'Leary to be spooked by anything. He's, as you said, he's brash and outspoken and usually very confident. Um, did Can you provide any, did he, was there any color on that? Like why, why is he spooked? What is he looking for in the summer? Yeah. So, I mean, well, that, sorry, I, I should have said, <laughs> I kind of buried the lead there, but, you know, basically, you know, Ryanair has been planning on applying more capacity this summer than they did in 2019. They still plan to uh, about 115% of 2019. But O'Leary was was said in his quote was, you know, being cautious is the sensible way forward. And it's wow. such a dramatic change from what he said in November during their uh, year half year results when he was just like summer looks great. Now, he did say that we're they're still optimistic about summer. Like, like I said, they haven't pulled back their capacity growth. They're still planning about 115 percent. But it, it's really striking that he's saying, you know, caution is, is the right way place to be. And he said, you know, they're wary of what could potentially happen. And he cited Omicron variants uh, or COVID-19 variants uh, like Omicron for that. Now, his concern isn't so much the variant itself, it's government reactions. Mm. He he called the reactions to Omicron in Europe uh, panicked. Um, and so, you know, he's worried about similar reactions if, if there's another surge of, of another variant before the summer that, that will hit demand. And it could really it could set back the recovery for Ryanair. Now, I'm sure he had some choice words about Boeing. <laughs> And the the game changers, right? I mean, there he is. He's trying to make fetch. He's still trying to make make fetch happen, isn't he, with those game changers? Well, if you look, there's no mention of Max in their press release. It says game changers. changers. I mean, anyone who works at Ryanair, this is a this is a message from from 
for me personally, not not the publication, but for me personally, you're not going to make Fetch happen. It's called the Max. It's not called the Game Changer. No matter how many times you try to say it's the 737 Game Changer, it's not going to stick. No one else says that. No one else in the airline world says 737 Max Game Changer. (laughs) Down. All right. Back to the matter at hand. Um, O'Leary did say that the Max is performing, performing quite well, that they have. They had a 40-some-odd at the end of December, and they called it exceptional. But he, And that's he the Dash 8 for, 200 variant, right? Their high-density That's variant. right. It's the high-density variant uh, model of the, the Dash 8. But, you know, he said that Boeing, uh, he said their salespeople are asleep, quote-unquote, <laughs> citing the recent big orders from KLM and Qantas as, you know, losing major customers to Airbus. Now, his comments came before Qatar Airways order, so I don't know if they would have been at all tempered by the fact that Qatar signed for 50. But, you know, he he said that uh, he is surprised that Boeing is not camped outside their offices, (laughs) desperate to restart Max 10 talks uh, that collapsed last fall. So, you know, O'Leary certainly isn't mincing words with Boeing at all, but, you know, we all know this is partially part of his... his, uh, you know, marketing, you know, what is it, uh, you know, sales through the, you know, trying to, oh, what is the word for it? You know, build a, you know, he's trying to push Boeing through the, you know, media's eye. So he's trying to get a better deal. We all know he wants those Max 10s for dirt cheap. So, right. but, uh, you know, in the past, we know that Ryanair has also waited to his uh, plane has had a few years off the line before they've ordered. So I, you know, I wouldn't count the Max 10 order out yet. They've, they, like you said, they have planes coming in until 2025 at this point. So they've got little time to wait. Did, did O'Leary say anything about network expansion um, for the summer? I mean, right. they're rolling back. Yeah, so they're still, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. They're still focused on a lot of the same key markets. Italy, Austria, and Portugal were three that he mentioned during the call. Uh, also Ukraine, which of course there uh, is the potential for you know a Russian invasion there. Uh, he described it as quote unquote disruptions, nice little euphemism. Uh, but you know they're not entirely growth. Germany is one market where this summer they're actually going to go down, and that's because they're closing their base at Frankfurt's uh, Frankfurt Airport, uh, which he entirely attributed to airport costs that uh, the airport's raising. Though he he acknowledged in the call that. You know, Frankfurt as a major hub isn't necessarily desperate for additional service. So, you know, they can do He was disappointed, but there's nothing he can do. So he said there's plenty of secondary uh, German airports that they want to grow up. So they'll be about 20 percent smaller this summer in Germany than they were in 2019. Uh, Ryanair, that is. But they're going to be a lot bigger in other countries. Austria, they're going to be up 100 some odd percent. And that's after you take out the integration of LADA, which they acquired a couple of years ago. So lots of places to fly, lots of new places to fly those game changers. Absolutely. And it's funny because he, he said Ryanair is the new domestic airline in Italy, um, you know, whether because they just they fly, they're flying more now than ITA and EasyJet and Wiz uh, ever since Alitalia, Alitalia closed down and ITA took over. And of course, ITA is a much smaller carrier. So, you know, they're they are very optimistic for the Italian market, uh, though. I don't know exactly how much the Italians love Ryanair, but that's uh, that that's another story. <laughs> Anyway, uh, after Europe, ANA in Europe in Japan also dropped their earnings. I mean, do you had a chance to look at those? What did what came out of Japan? Well, it was another loss. This was for the first nine months of the year because uh, ANA is also on a fiscal year system. Um, so the last, I'm sorry, the last nine months of 2021, they they had another loss of 118 billion yen, um, which is roughly a billion dollars, um, and uh, they you know. 
they they were very cautiously optimistic because the domestic network actually performed pretty well in the last quarter of the year uh, from October through December after this Japan's state internal state of emergency was lifted. So like we've seen all over the world, once restrictions are lifted, there's a lot of pent up demand for, for travel in Japan. And this was mainly domestic travel. Now their international network is, you know, passenger load factors are about 25% of what they were before the pandemic. And there's really, they have no clarity and no sort of, they're not confident when that may return. Um, but uh, they're very happy with the performance of the domestic market. And in fact, Peach, their LC, ANA's LCC subsidiary, is flying more than it flew more in the last quarter of last year than it did before the pandemic. So, oh, interesting. Have they been shifting planes to to Peach? Is there is there a growth there otherwise, or is this it's yeah, sorry. Any any color on Peach's You know, they didn't provide much color. I mean, just that uh, they're really focusing on dom- the domestic operation, um, just given trends, and especially in the region with um, with res- on you know continuing re- restrictions in many of ANA's major markets, like like China. Um, one one little piece of color ANA did provide is that. The airline is in the process of moving a lot of its North America flights from Haneda, which is close in Tokyo airport, to Narita, which is farther out. And this kind Why of reverse- are they moving them back out there? I'll get to that in a second. This kind of reverses something that they were, you know, all airlines were doing for the last five years. Both U.S. and Japanese carriers were moving more of their flights to Haneda and away from Narita, which is farther out. They're doing that because they have an existing. Um, network from Narita throughout Asia. And they're seeing a lot of connections through uh, coming from North America. So whatever international travel there is, is connecting over Japan to elsewhere in Asia. So to facilitate those connections, it's not O&D to Japan, in other words. So to facilitate that makes sense. Though it's it's interesting because I remember when I was writing about the, like you said, the airlines opening up all the new Haneda routes. and, And this was 2019, I believe, just before the pandemic. They're all getting awarded. It was, they talked about moving a lot of those connections to Haneda to facilitate make that more of a connecting hub. But it sounds like that process has been reversed or really stopped. Or maybe it's the pandemic and there's just no longer makes sense to fly a Haneda and a Narita flight onto Bangkok. So they're yeah. consolidating all of them at Bangkok or, or Narita. It, it maybe that was my read on it. it. They didn't provide a whole lot of color, just that they're going to be be doing that throughout this year. Um, now. Their outlook it's for good the news year, for the Narita Airport. It is good news. I mean, this has been sort of like a, it's kind of a ping slow move, the slowest moving game of ping pong in the world. Just watching, watching flights go from Haneda and the twenty thirty. We'll see the Narita hub close. Well, yeah, Madero. I mean, think in the seventies when Haneda, when Narita first opened, flights moved from Haneda to Narita, and then they moved to Narita to Haneda. Now they're moving back from Haneda to Narita. So um, yeah, it, it's just. Uh, it's interesting. Now, ANA's outlook for the year was was not very positive. I mean, they they see continued growth in the domestic market, but they still expect to lose lose money for the first nine months of this year, thanks to continuing um, COVID restrictions in their in the Asia Pacific region. So, um, you know, like this just reinforces what we've been hearing throughout the pandemic. There, through or the last few months, the Asia Pacific is going to be the last region to to recover and to open up, and international connections are going to suffer. Um, but, uh, Japan, it is a lot, ANA is fortunate and does, it actually does have a domestic market, unlike some of its peers in Hong Kong and Singapore. 
I was just gonna say they uh, that you literally uh, you, you beat me to it. They're they're more fortunate than some others, especially Cathay, who we talked about last week. Yeah, and Singapore. Um, so that is uh, that's a day. Oh oh oh, lest I forget, and I mentioned this earlier. Um, Cargo was the shining star again, and um, ANA is deploying triple seven Fs on really high um, lucrative routes between Narita and Hong Kong, Taipei, and Qingdao. Um, and the they've seen they've unlike a lot of the airlines in the U.S. and Europe, they have ANA is keeping its freighters or its passenger aircraft that have temporarily converted to freighters. Um, because their international network is still kind of parlous right now, and they're seeing increased demand for automotive parts, semiconductors, electronics, and vaccines. So um, unlike the rest of the world, the Praetors are going to stay at ANA for, for a little while longer. Nice. Well, uh, it's, uh, I mean, hopefully that helps bring them some revenue and helps ANA come back. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough story, like you said, for, for Asian Airlines, it sounds like, for some time to come. Absolutely. Well, Ned, uh, much as I like to keep talking about cargo, I guess we should end it there. Thanks for joining us to all our listeners. Thank you, Ned. <laughs> Thank you, Madhu. And as always, you can reach Madhu at mu at skip.com and you can reach myself at er at skip.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. <laughs>